0: We're here with all these banners, 17 banners hanging, and I say, when I talk to a group, I'll sometimes say, hey, I got to raise a banner, and everybody in this room has the ability to raise banners. Everybody could be a a champion in, in doing one thing or another, so think of what banner you want to raise in your own life. But I say, I've got two more banners I want to raise, and one is we beat blindness, and another is we beat deafness. Those are banners I want to raise up.
1: Hello, it's Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. Most of you probably know Wick Grosbeck as CEO, governor, and co-owner of the Boston Celtics. Some of you may know him as a member of the business community with Causeway Media Partners, or even for his philanthropy working with organizations such as the Mass Eye and Ear Infirmary. But what many of you may not know is that Wick is a lifelong drummer and plays in a Boston band called French Lick, named after Larry Bird's hometown. We met with Wick at their brand new gorgeous practice facility, and after a great tour, got to talk about not only his passion for music and basketball, but the philanthropy and causes near and dear to his heart. And while we touched on the banner raised in 2008 and the promise of another this year, he turned the tables and asked us all, what banner are you going to raise? So here is our conversation with Wick Grosbeck, recorded at the Arrowback Center at Boston Landing in Brighton, Massachusetts. Let's talk about your drumming. How long, so when did you start drumming?
0: I heard the song that started me off, I heard it again the other day. It was Overture by Tommy and then Amazing Journey. Just the Keith Moon drumming, I'm getting goosebumps. The Keith Moon drumming <laughs> on Overture and Amazing Journey is, is it for me. Before that I had listened to stuff like Herb Alpert and stuff with just sort of basic drumming and already was into the drums. When I heard Keith Moon going nuts, um, uh, Tommy, that was it for me. So I was maybe nine or ten.
1: I mean, Herb Albert, not many people listen to Herb Albert as a nine-year-old.
0: Yeah, I was. I was listening to Herb Albert as a nine-year-old uh, for some reason. And there was, there was drums and like trumpet and stuff. But all, mm-hmm. I, all I ever hear with family. music, I'm not a gifted drummer. As you know, you've played with me. but I You're love fine. it. No, no, no. But i love it's sort of fine at best, right? Journeyman at best. No fooling, but loving it doesn't mean you're going to be great at it it oh, just yeah. means that you They're love it and i love it. that's all that. i do is i hear yeah. the drums it's the only thing i hear when i listen to music so you're a rhythm guy I am and not just guy. the
2: kit but are you kind of a rhythm guy in general when i mean i'm just
0: always tapping on stuff yeah, <laughs> i yeah. can't help it and you've been playing drums since you were a kid i think even before tommy i had the makings of a drum set in my room i brought drums to college and set them up in my dorm and had a band in college, but literally was playing like during the afternoons. Didn't have a rehearsal space or anything. I had a bunch of roommates and we had one room for all of our desks and stuff and my drums. And then the other room, we built bunk beds and had all the bunks in there. So I literally had drums just playing in the dorm. It was so much fun. The band, the college band was named the Daytonas. The I Daytonas. A pretty decent name.
2: Well, we had a band called... Um, the Underground. The Underground was in high school, but then we had a band called, called Chuck. There you go. aptly uh, named by... a my and former there's an, there's an actual colleague. really
1: good ska band called the importance of being chuck <laughs> they're really good i found the cd at this record store and i just bought it because it was a cool name and they were really good Real so punch. did you continue playing like after college was you we always was it always no i got did, serious
0: or? and had a job and all these things and i and i i always had drums but i didn't really get back into them until the 90s i mean it was the 80s early 80s was college as i'm old but uh the 90s um, moved back here to Boston so my son could go to Perkins Perkins. School for the Blind which is an amazing world-class best in the world place and just to sort of relieve some of the pressure of having um, or stress I should say of having Mm -hmm. a special needs child and Mm -hmm. you know I found the drums really handy so I set them up in the basement or wherever and really got back into them hard and and a few years later met Dave Andonian who's a guitar player uh, and we we sort of took his band and my drumming and made it into a new band called French Lick. Uh,
1: okay, so because yeah, I mean Dave, uh, Dave lives in Concord. I grew up in Concord, yeah. and he's a great guy, a good guitarist too. Yeah.
0: Chuck, you're on your way to growing up.
1: Let's just be honest.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> let's just not get too... on my
1: way. Is really pushing it, yeah. but yeah, I thought
2: you were going to say on your way to becoming a good guitarist. Uh, well, yeah. to it, maybe. I, no, I didn't well, say I, that. I, I, I like he the is optimism. A good guitar,
1: very good guitarist. <laughs> I like the optimism, but Boston is your roots. I yeah, mean, yeah, you, born and you, raised. You grew I was born in
2: Worcester.
0: Uh, we moved to Weston, and I mostly grew up in Weston.
1: And that's where you lived. I mentioned the Worcester
0: before. of Eastern Mass,
1: future home of the Sox of the Paw Sox.
0: that's right. The Wo- what do you call that's them? Right. The Woo the Wo- Sox? The Woo Sox? I don't. know. The Woo Sox? got so- to. I
1: don't know how I feel about they that. They can't be the Paw Sox. I feel bad for the Pawtucket, but what are you going to do? Uh, but we were in this amazing facility too. I was psyched that they moved us. We were going to we were going to go to Causeway to one of the office buildings there. Right, and when, that's our downtown office. There's right.
0: a, there's a uh, business office right, next door, to right next door to the arena because everybody puts on the game basically so we do need to be there but the basketballs usually yeah and separate. this is Brandon and wendy brand new, yeah.
1: Wendy was very generous in, in setting this up so she's thanks for that. Yeah. i'm sorry i wasn't get to, didn't get to meet her but she's uh, she's back there isn't she
0: she's uh well we'll get you to meet her uh, like when I'd you like come to, to a game as our guest oh well can, thank you very she'll, much she'll hand you the tickets I'd love, and
1: i'd love to that'd be fantastic yeah, yeah and we
2: love having a you know a little tour of this before the interview the It's literally squeaky clean. It's brand Uh,
1: new. It's a
0: brand new. It's called the Auerbach Center. It's in Brighton. It's the one that everybody out there in listener land sees as you drive down the pike.
1: It looks like a big ship.
0: Yeah. No, the, that's the New Balance building. That's the... Oh, but well, we're right arc, next to that, though, right? We're next to that. Yeah. And we're next to the Bruins facility. The Bruins, yeah. the Warriors I like how the,
1: you're both back here. You're both next yeah. to each other. That's cool. There's a lot of cross-pollination there. You're well, there's good
0: friendships. We we like those people, the ownership. But we all get along. Uh, we Jacobs. we are in... They own the garden, and we are tenants, and we have a great okay. working right. relationship there. It's really been uh, amazingly helpful uh, during this 15-year journey of owning the Celtics. Yeah,
1: but theirs is pretty new, too. It only a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I'm psyched to be out here. It's really nice.
2: Well, do you think that there is, I mean, it's only been two months, but is there something to be said for the separation of the two worlds of where the sort of the stage, so to speak, versus the rehearsal slash right. practicing?
0: No, it's something I actually try to overcome. I do, I understand the concept, but if, you know, there's no real reason to practice any different than where you play. It'd be better if we played the games here or yeah, practiced yeah. at the garden, right. but the gardens built busy 220 nights a year, and we, yeah, you know, right. and a lot of the times it has ice down or a concert stage down, right. so we can't be practicing there. Oh, that's right. You guys are in Waltham anyway. We're in Waltham year. anyway. Um, so part of my job is because I'm also the not only controlling owner but also the CEO day to day. Is that I'm in both places every day. I'm trying to knit the business side together with the basketball side. Yeah. Because you don't want basketball to think, oh, those business people just said no again. You know, decisions mm-hmm. have to be made jointly, and there has to be glue in between, like diplomacy? Because basketball people aren't necessarily business people. You're a doctor, right? A physician. Well, it's the music business, just like physicians. And then there's a business side. You're right. Right. There's creative, there's talent, and then there's administration. Right. And so I'm trying to bridge between them both.
2: It's rare that you can do both well. And I think knowing limits is when you need to know who the right people are, of course. We've talked about... Listening on this podcast a lot. We've talked about being in a band, in a jazz band, and other types, and listening to your partners, and how that's sometimes even more powerful than playing. Oh, for sure. And I've always interested because recently we also spoke with Mickey Hart from the Dead. I listened to that one. And oh, good. It and, started with Ripple. It had not right. faded yeah, away. Right. Yeah, I'm fascinated by a basketball slash business expert like you that also happens to live in the music world about those thoughts as well about the element of basketball that actually connects to music i'd love to say something first of all
0: you're nice to say experts and all those things you (laughs) know whatever i'm just a regular joe but i do love being in high performance teams and being part of it part of a team and started with rowing back in college that was my sport and i rode in an eight and we did really really well right the idea of being with eight actually eight other people because the ninth guy is steering you know and going down the course as fast as you can going down the river and and if you win you get the shirt off the back of the other guy so there's an element of competition in sports but I love the team aspect I don't race on my own I race as an eight and still to this day and being in a band with six people and having the guitar player go crazy or Mike and, and just sort of just supporting it as the drummer it's so much fun. It just takes it to a, it's, it's essential for me to have, be part of a team. I'm very much part of a team at the Celtics, not just the team of basketball players, but the team of Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge and Rich Gotham and Dave Hoffman and others on the business side. That's what I love doing. So if there's any common thread there, there's a common thread, which is put together, energize, motivate a team. Yeah. That's what I love doing.
2: What about the game? When you have the game going, this is because, you know, I mean, I'm learning basketball and other sports through my 13 year old son. We really proud that he had heard of red hour back. Right. I'm a late bloomer with sports, but I've, I've done okay through my, with my son as my teacher. When it comes to the actual game, what is that dynamic of the players that is rhythmic, yeah. that connection? There's no real answer to it. I'm just kind of wondering your thoughts.
0: Well, there are definitely rhythms to the game, to the season, season to season, rhythms to these teams. You, know, you can be on the upswing, or you can be fighting to get back and having to rebuild. You know? mm. So they're actually multi-year cycles, really, of these teams. We're hoping we're on the up now. I right. mean, we had a good year last year, and we've got more players now and guys back from injury, and we might be even better. I mean, we have a chance to be really good this year. But the rhythms of their yeah. own individual, what they bring to practice in the games with their own lives and their own careers. Like, you look at Kyrie Irving. He came here having won a championship and made the winning shot in a championship a couple of years right. ago in Cleveland. He brought Cleveland with LeBron and others, but I mean, he made the shot that won Cleveland the championship and it was a tough shot. Yeah. He's a world-class talent, and he's a world-class guy that just brilliant, insightful, emotional intelligence as well off the yeah. charts. I mean, I'm trying to judge him, but, you know, he's amazing, yeah. and he's here, so he's at a certain point in his life and his career, and he's bringing all this positive energy just about the team, yeah. you know, and then you get young kids coming in. It's their first contract, and they just want to survive. They don't they don't really care what uniform they have on, and I'm not belittling them, right? but if or a Milwaukee Bucks uniform or a Warriors uniform or an Atlanta Hawks uniform. I mean, they're in the NBA. They just have to survive. So if we cut them, they've got to hang on with somebody else. But we got brand new kids, and we got kids here invited to camp. You know, six extra guys that aren't on our roster but have a chance to be somewhere. Or maybe they'll be in our minor league team, the main Red Claws. So there are all these rhythms and cycles. And, but yeah. when you win a game, guys have put their selfishness aside or their natural human instincts to take care of themselves to decide, and they've become teammates and that's been the secret of the Celtics all the way back to the 1950s you know I'm not responsible for it I mean right. but but now I'm responsible for trying to take care of that and that's what we're trying to foster now is that teamwork
1: well that's what I loved about last year's team when your star player went down with a gruesome ankle injury Yep. and that's putting it lightly and then the Your other gruesome, star, gruesome would have been an improvement. I mean, that was four, <laughs> what was it, four minutes into the season. I was yeah. watching it with my my wife yeah. and daughter, right. and it was unbelievable. Yeah. And, then, and then you lose Kyrie before well, the event.
0: Gordon's here today, running, <laughs> sprinting, it's from fantastic. point to point, around to the three-point, doing a star pattern, a three-point line, to the other part of the three-point line corner to corner all over the place making threes on the full sprint and a quick stop and a swish three and then sprinting somewhere else he looks it. great right now that's awesome but
1: after all that happened and when Kyrie went down with the knee injury and then had yeah. the surgery yeah see I'm up on I'm up on these things yeah right? you still almost went to the finals I we mean, have some
0: amazing talent and a great coach and great fans you know the fans mean something oh yeah. they're part of the team anybody's been there knows that fans have a lot to do with it you know, Al Horford came here as a free agent a couple of years ago. He said the fans were a big part of it. He wants to play for the Boston fans.
2: Just yesterday we talked with someone that hosts Pearl Jam Radio and Grateful Dead Radio. And he said the same exact thing with Pearl Jam and the fans. Because there's a symbiosis... That can be I'm
0: a Pearl Jam. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan.
2: Oh, they're great. So last night, Rob Bleedstein was talking to us about that very same concept that you just touched on of that fan interplay. And that's that rhythm it sounds like. That's right. I does it a, go the reverse way? Well, how does that work in the other way when you have the when there's not a connection?
0: Yeah, you can feel it. There are some years where the team just doesn't have it, the connection isn't there. I haven't seen this with coaching in our case, but I've seen it at other teams. Huh. Like we had a great coach with doc rivers and we won with him and he was phenomenal and then he left and so then we had to find somebody else but i mean you know when it just sort of goes south you have to make a change you can feel that too so here's my pearl jam story my daughter kelsey was the pearl jam fan and got me into them and said dad can we go to Lollapalooza?" and this was in i guess was this or the summer of 07 and so we had just put gotten kevin garnett on the team And so I had read that Jeff Ament, and I knew, somehow I got through to the manager of Pearl Jam, I don't normally do this, and I said, look, I'd like to surprise my daughters, is there any way we can go backstage? And he goes, sure, by the way, can you bring a Garnet jersey for the (laughs) bass player? So, I've got this Garnett jersey, my daughter doesn't know why. We start walking around and there's a million people in Soldier Field in Chicago, literally 800,000 people. Mm. And we start winding around and next thing you know, we go through three doors and we're back in this grassy knoll behind the stage and there's Eddie Vedder and Mike McCready and Stone Gossard and nice. Jeff and I hand the thing over and my daughter's like, wow, this NBA thing isn't bad after <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, right, well, what a it's thrill. all full circle, Dad, oh that's God. great.
1: But the Celtics that's have funny. a, I mean, if, as you heard from the, from the Mickey Hart episode, They had that Grateful Dead.
2: I
0: know it. Bill Walton called up one day, called up, spoke to Wendy, and said, "Hey, I've got, hey, I've got a few friends. You know, I can't imitate (laughs) Bill Walton. Nobody can. But uh, could they come sit? Well, they'll sit in the balcony. They'll sit anywhere. And so Wendy." of course, said, well, Bill, any friends of yours? So I had tickets that night or whenever it was, and so they all sat with me. It turned out to be, I think it was was definitely um, Bob Weir, and it was Bill Kreutzmann, and then a couple other guys, and the manager, and so we all sat and watched, and I ended up having Bob Weir do the anthem. Oh, cool. Perfect, yeah. Which was (laughs) fun, and then he played at Perkins School uh, with my son on bass, that's on YouTube, but Bob, we were playing Ripple and Uncle John's Band and Cassidy for Perkins to raise money, which was sweet of him. That's great. Uh, but then, and then I went and saw them play in Worcester. The Dead shortly thereafter, and they had me sit on stage on a couch or something because. I'd had them courtside and said, this is our courtside. So, uh, right. so I still, I just saw the dead. This is um, our courtside, yeah. When they, you know, I yeah, just yeah. saw the dead again when they just came through.
1: I saw them at uh, Xfinity Center. Yeah, okay. we were there. So,
0: amazing. Bob is a great guy.
2: That's great, yeah. I mean, the, the connection that Mickey Hart had with Bill Walton over the years was pretty interesting. Bill Walton's And he Bill told Warren's those great, great guy stories. Guy yeah. He sounds um, like a great guy. So your son plays bass?
0: My son plays bass and sings and plays some guitar and oh, ukulele. Wow. Uh, really? Really? And a little bit you of drums played, you and a little bit together. Of, uh, yeah, we have.
1: So he, as he was growing up. You got him involved in playing instruments?
0: Well, he always was involved in. My son is blind, gamble, yes. and has always been very musically interested and inclined. So I don't want to say I got him involved, but I enabled his involvement, right. and we right. had a lot of fun. And we were talking just yesterday. We were together for the last week or so, and um, talking about jam sessions we had down in our basement in the studio. And I would bring in music teachers and guys to play guitar and keyboards, and I'd play yeah. the drums, and and we played sure. like My Sharona that came on. He's like, <laughs> "Remember when we played this? It's a great <laughs> song." I love yeah, sure you know. So, uh, yeah, just fun. We had as much fun as music as you can possibly have as a father and son, and it's been great.
1: Does he have a band or something? Does he, he do something at the school? a professional
0: music teacher, and so he's got a paying job in music, which is a great thing.
2: To have a rhythm section with your dad and... Like yeah. son and father, that's pretty special. We
0: had a family wow. reunion a couple years ago up in New Hampshire at my brother's house and he has actually built a stage. He's a professional musician and owns Dangerbird yeah. Records out in LA and yeah. is a guitar player. It's a
1: real family thing then. Yeah,
0: he's, he's got real talent. So we played a bunch of songs. We put a set list together and a little band together and Campbell was on bass, my son. I was playing drums. We played six or seven songs for the family reunion. And at the end, Campbell, as the sun went down, it's getting dark. Of one spotlight on him he stepped forward and did a solo turn uh, just on base of turn the page and he just sort of mournfully did it and then his encore was uh, love in vain you know and he just brought the house down so it's just you know the power of music
2: yeah the power of e-minor you know because so many you know his
0: cousins <laughs> and his uh, family members we all love him you know but i don't think anybody ever really seen him command the audience and take everybody to a new level before it was really it was a gift yes. that he gave to them that that understanding that He doesn't see them, but he can move them.
2: And he moved them physically and emotionally. Right. It was just, uh, I'm very proud of him. We all are. So speaking of that, you've been very involved with Perkins but also Mass Ioneer. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that something you're you're currently involved in is MEEI? i E I?
0: I'm heavily involved as the volunteer chairman of Mass Ioneer and Corinne, Campbell's mom, is yeah. the chairman of Perkins, which is a big job and she's doing that very well and traveling all over the world raising money for them and working on their programs. Oh, okay. So wow. the, so it's sort of both institutions. But I'm yeah, I'm at Mass Ioneer and yeah. There, almost, I guess, eight years now. We're raising money. We have a capital campaign going on. We're getting close to $200 million we've raised in the last eight years. My goodness, good for you. So it's kind of a mission. Good for them. I say to people, we're here with all these banners, 17 banners hanging, and I say, when I talk to a group, I'll sometimes say, hey, I got to raise a banner. And everybody in this room has the ability to raise banners. Everybody could be a you know, a champion in in doing one thing or another. So think of what banner you want to raise Mm -hmm. in your own life. I mean, you're trying to save people as a physician and you're bringing truth to people through the podcast and doing other things, Chuck. But I say, I've got two more banners I want to raise. And one is we beat blindness and another is we beat deafness. Those are Mm -hmm. banners I want to raise up.
1: I love that raising raising your own banner. I like that. I tell
0: people, take a moment right now and think of what banner you want to raise. It could say I was an amazing parent you could it could say i did something about cancer or poverty or homelessness you tell me when that's going to be raised and i'll come to the ceremony
1: that's awesome
2: for perkins tell us a little bit more about that place i mean i know corinne's obviously the yeah well we were there campbell went all the
0: way through the students typically go until they're 21 he went to perkins as a toddler i mean you came to three three years old and it was great for him and still is for so many kids and adults all around the world Actually, there's sort of an international network with Perkins at the center of it. It was founded in, I think, 1829. Helen Keller went there. They have deaf-blind kids, so kids who have, are missing two of the senses. I mean, it's really an amazing place, and it's full of people on the faculty and staff who just are givers. You know, sure, there's a paycheck at the end of the day, but they're doing it because it's something that they need to do and love to do.
1: It's in their heart. Yeah,
0: it's in the heart. So it's Perkins.org.
2: Jabberwocky was something I saw on your, wi- yeah. on your w- wow. wiki. It's, this is a camp. It's in Martha's Vineyard,
0: right? Right. So our daughter, Campbell's older sister, Kelsey, just got married at Jabberwocky and helps run Jabberwocky. Really? And she held her wedding to Matt, the fabulous Matt, down on the vineyard on the beach with all the Jabberwocky campers. It's called the Martha Martha's Vineyard Cerebral Palsy Camp yeah. Incorporated. It's been around 66 years, but they have CP and... A down syndrome and other conditions represented among the campers. And once you're a camper, you can stay for life. So it's a community for these kids and adults. And it's, uh, it's as good or better for the counselors who are all volunteers as it is for the campers. It's an amazing place. So if people are in the giving mood, Perkins and Mass Hyundai and Jabberwocky are yeah. some good places to start.
1: All the musicians that we talk to, or at least a good I'm number. I'm a percussionist,
0: of I'm not a musician. No, no, no. Isn't there <laughs> no, no. a difference? There's no difference. I it's do try thing. to tune my drums. but
1: We've discovered that a good number of them have their own missions. We've talked to a really talented singer songwriter named Alistair Mook. He did an album for kids with cancer. It's like uh-huh. a kind of like a very yeah. inspirational album for kids with cancer. We've talked to Darden Smith. I don't know if you know Darden Smith on Mary Gaucher. Who do something called songwriting with soldiers, where they do the songwriting camp for veterans with PTSD and other issues, and the and the songwriting. I'm good friends with.
0: Sister Hazel Band, the whole band, Sister the, Hazel, yeah. amazing guys. And they have Camp Hazelnut, which I like it? supporting, which is for oh, kids, yeah. kids, you know, suffering family trauma and yeah. need and just in dire straits. And so they take them to an amazing camp every about this time, every year, every September.
1: There's so many missions that you can do, right. whether it be for Perkins or Pioneer yep. or whatever it is, there's so many out there. And I it's inspiring to see musicians who really don't have to do anything. They just that's, the, that's their passion, whether it be something that affected them personally or they're just trying to do some good in the world. You
0: know, I've, I've thought about a little bit about music and I'm really just on the periphery of it. I love music. The only musicians I'll listen to are the ones that care about what they do. Hmm. And so if they care enough about music to put a great song together and put that emotion into it and they care that much then they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it because they care about it. Then they're going to care about other things. So I think it makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. You can
0: tell.
2: How do you spot those on the the court to take that back full circle?
0: I'm not in charge of spotting the talent, which is a good thing. That's why we have a good team. (laughs) Or your observations. But the guys who spot the talent, like Danny Ainge, will say, this guy just loves to play. And this guy, it's a job for this guy. And so we try to get the guys who love to play. I remember when Kevin Garnett had just gotten here, Someone came in, sort of a distant friend or a friend of somebody in the ownership group or something, came in and sort of was sneering a little bit at, like, the NBA, I'm really not an NBA fan, you know, I'm an NFL fan, or whatever it is, you know, these guys make so much money, do they really even care? The kind of remark that would make my blood Yeah. okay, so it did boil. And so I said, oh, by the way, do you see this guy running sprints down there? And this was literally a Sunday morning we were in the facility in Waltham And there was a guy running wind sprints back and forth, baseline to baseline. And she said, yeah, yeah, I see him. How can I not see him? He's seven feet tall. I said, yeah, well, that's Kevin Garnett. He's made $280 million playing basketball. And he's running wind sprints on Sunday morning. Yeah. He just wants to win. And the minute, mm-hmm. by the way, Kevin Garnett walked into our lives in 2007, it was clear we were going to win or die trying because he wasn't going to accept nothing less. He was the guy that changed literally everything for us. But that's another podcast. What, what? year was that again? 07.
2: 07. That's what, because you won in 08, right? It's very good.
0: Look at you. Yeah. 07 to 08. But it's the same season. Same season. Right.
2: And now. I love how it was the 17th banner and it was also on June 17th. Right. Well, thank you. But listen, wow. just Googling you. a couple things doesn't know. really make you. I know. You know, no, you're good. Did you Google I like anything else? You Googled my, you know,
0: <laughs> charities. That's nice of you to do. And then you Googled that. Okay. And yeah. what else did you Google?
2: Uh, let's see what else did I Google. <laughs> well, no, I just read a little bit about it. And I remember 1717. It's,
0: 17. <laughs> it's ratings gold when you Google.
1: Yeah. But I, I love that sentence where you said, the musicians that care.
0: That you can tell in the music. You can tell in the music. I mean, the Grateful Dead literally gave their lives to their music. Right. That's the way that is. And those people
1: that care tend to have something else. Yeah. They're going to care other, about everything. Other than, other than right. the music.
0: All right, so Chuck, what does this podcast represent to you? Why do you care about it?
1: Why do I care about
0: about, it? Let's turn this around.
1: Okay, spotlight on me now. Why do I care about this? Well, what it's turned into for me, it's a window into not only just the music that the musicians are doing, Mm -hmm. but the whole life of being in music. Mm -hmm. It's everything. I mean, it encompasses everything. Mm
0: -hmm. And are you using it to communicate these truths to... Just yourself and you're happy if anybody else listens? Or are you saying, look, people need to know this? Is it's it the both. act of recording the podcast that's satisfying or is it the act of putting it out there?
1: It's the act of putting it out there, mm-hmm. certainly. But it's become a wonderful surprise every time I sit and talk to somebody. Uh-huh. But I, both, could, I could add
2: me. to that for, I think, from what you've always mentioned, too, is that a lot of it is the actual conversation. This can be artistic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And which way I mean, it goes. I mean, it isn't today, but it could be. It could
1: be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, the, I do Touché. a fantastic editing job. We sound like geniuses after this right. is all over.
0: Make my voice a little deeper, too. Oh, sure, I can do that. Bill all right, Walton. The way down. Yeah.
1: down. It's true. The people that I end up listening to have something much more to them than just the music. It just invariably happens. Even like the, the sports figures that I'm drawn to. It's not just because they throw the ball really well or they shoot. There's always something more to them.
0: The true greats are different. The true great athletes that I've gotten the privilege to meet are, you know, like I've known Michael Jordan now for 15 years. Better, I guess, what is it, 8, nine, ten years that he's owned a team. So he's hmm. like literally, you know, next to each other pretty often at the owner's meetings and just chat, chalk and laugh. And he's an amazing guy. Like there's a reason. Other than physical talent and hyper intelligence, There's additional reason that he's an amazing teammate and a, the most generous person you've ever met. Yeah. And a
1: lot of times, huh. people don't even realize they just do it. it. They right. just do
0: it. The Celtics lead the league in community appearances. The whole NBA and the whole NBA really? is not a bunch of slouches. Yeah, I know. They're we t- help almost a thousand charities at the Celtics, and all all the Boston teams do
1: yeah. it. So yeah, yeah, the Red Sox, obviously, it's Jimmy Fund, the Jimmy Fund, but also the. Uh, Foundation to be named later that they yeah they, yeah they through do? Theo
2: Epstein and yeah and home base what are great. some of the ones that come to mind as other lead charities that you're proud of that you want to mention or the ones for the Celtics that you're pretty involved in or
0: our key charitable partnerships are Children's Hospital they're on our license plates when you see a Celtics license plate going down the Pike you'll see Children's Hospital Boston they're the beneficiary of that Perkins School for the Blind uh, Horizons for homeless children which is a great okay charity mspcc the prevention of cruelty to children Mm. it's kids based and berkeley Mm. college of music actually the uh the city music program for kids we actually have a musical charity that we support oh
1: really that's set up through berkeley yeah oh
0: with the celtics
1: oh that's fantastic we'll we'll be talking to roger brown good he's a great Uh, another drummer oh and actually a good drummer yeah he's a good drummer yeah yeah he's a president (laughs) of (laughs) berkeley (laughs) he's a great guy i've met him a few times Yeah. yeah oh very cool well
0: he founded horizons So I just mentioned Horizons for Homeless Children, but he founded the Horizons with his wife, the Horizons Healthcare Business, I think would be the way you call it. And they also did the Charity Horizons. So it all does connect. Roger and Linda are very charitably minded. So just a great example of people doing the right thing and doing it very well. So what's next for you? I mean, the guys are here now, so it's starting. The the busiest time of the year is June when you're putting together the roster for next season, Mm. next fall. So we did all that in June. July yeah. and August are a little slower and calmer. And then, but September, it starts right back up. We've got preseason games at the end of this month. And we've got opening night against the Sixers, October 16th. They're
1: a good team, Sixers. And I have a
0: venture capital fund I invest in part of my time with two great partners. And uh, the band is playing all yeah. fall, a little bit here and there. My wife lives primarily in New York, so I'm back and forth. She's 50 50 up here. And then uh, kids. And, yeah. In Mass and So there's plenty of stuff going plenty of on. Plenty stuff. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's, that's a couple things on the plate. Yeah. Well,
1: thanks for sitting with us. I'm I've glad we been, finally got to do this. We took I'm a, sorry took, about the delay.
2: Oh, you know, no worries. My fault, no and I don't know why. I don't it's know perfect because we was, got to come here to this beautiful this, place. We, I mean, so thank you so much for sitting with us. It's, it's been, been yeah. a lot of fun. I enjoyed
1: it. Have a great season. Thanks. Looking forward to it. We really enjoyed talking with Wick. He's a very smart, thoughtful, and passionate guy with a good heart. You can learn more about Perkins School for the Blind and see how to get involved at Perkins.org. You can also see what's going on at Mass Eye and Ear at MassEyeandEar.org. And finally, you can see all of the charitable organizations the Boston Celtics support through their Boston Celtics Shamrock Foundation at NBA.com forward slash Celtics forward slash community forward slash BCSF. Go to AboveTheBasement.com. You can join us on Patreon. Sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. On behalf of Ronnie and myself, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. How would you like to join us in creating great conversations that inspire and connect? Patreon is a membership platform that provides a way for creators like us to build relationships and provide exclusive experiences to subscribers or patrons. We have been self-financed since we got off the ground in June of 2016, but in order to continue to fully invest all we can in each episode, we need your patronage. For more information, please go to patreon.com forward slash above the basement.